millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, the Samoa women's rugby team find form in Fiji. Kangifa Samoa set out their vision for rapid rugby. And Australia looks forward to an increased presence at next month's Pacific Games in Samoa. But first, Fiji are the undisputed kings of sevens rugby once again, after winning the men's World Series for the fourth time. The Olympic champions secured the title after outclassing nearest rivals the United States in the Cup semi-finals in Paris on Monday, before beating New Zealand in their final. It's Fiji's first World Series crown since 2016, and their triumph in Paris also marks the first time Fiji's won World Series tournaments on consecutive weekends, after retaining their London title a week earlier. Head coach Gareth Baber says Fiji's first World Series victory in Paris also helps to atone for a disappointing end to last season, when they were pipped to the overall title on the final day. Last year we came here and we didn't. We were further in front, but we didn't have the wherewithals to finish it off, and that was quite painful. You know, you get a lot of learnings from that, and certainly we've taken them this year, and I thought that the back end of the season, you know, carrying on from Hong Kong, Singapore, London last week, and then to round it off as we did today, uh, is pretty special. And, you know, it's uh, all credit to everybody back home in Fiji. Everybody supported us and kept patient, but most of all to the staff and this, this quality outfit that we've got playing for us. The victorious Fiji team arrived home to a hero's welcome in Nandi on Wednesday. The Samoa women's rugby team have won the inaugural Asia-Pacific Championship after beating Fiji 15 points to 12 in La Torca at the weekend. The Manusina finished the tournament undefeated after beating Hong Kong 34-15 in their opening match. But coach Ramsey Tomokino admits his side were lucky to actually come out on top. I had to give the girls a bit of a serve at halftime because you know our game management was poor and, and decisions we were making and options we were taking and we were trying to be expensive and you know, you know we're throwing to the tail of the line out when we should be winning in our money ball and we could be crashing in the midfield and trying instead of trying to go wide and you know and when you're short time together you forget that the girls don't actually understand that stuff in terms of you know, needing to drill into them that they need to um, get ascendancy first before and get on top of them. And, and we never really got on top of them because you know, we didn't stick to our game plan and, and our choices were poor. So, you know, we, we talked about after the game, like, you know, our game management needs to be better. And, you know, I have to take ownership of some of that other coach because he just, when you get uh, six trainings <laughs> for two matches, you know, it's not a lot. And you and you try and, uh, it's a crash course and, um trying to get everything right and you, and sometimes you don't get it right. That's the little detail you miss. Yeah, so it's just about spending more time with our game drivers and that. And yeah, it was closer than what I expected. And, um, and then, yeah, and then learning afterwards, um, you know, the girls kind of almost had a meltdown on the field. I was just surprised that we kind of won that game. So, does, it, um, does it make you think, sort of, as you say, you only had, what, 16 training sessions and uh, obviously the preparation wasn't ideal with your appointment and whatnot coming quite late. Does it, does it make you think if you, no, yeah, what, what, what you can achieve or what the team can achieve with oh, with more time together? No, absolutely. Like, we spoke about, like, a couple of trainings early on, you know, the girls were saying, you know, I was challenging them and, and telling them that it can be done and, 
you know, there was times where girls were saying, oh, it's all right considering we've only had, you know, we've only just been together two days. You know, even the first few days we still didn't know each other, but, you know, and I just said, I just had to stop them and say, look, I'm actually sick of hearing there's an excuse. And so we had our assistant coach, Cynthia um, Taala, who was the money senior captain in, um, when they qualified for the World Cup. So she shared a story that they were in the Manicina team when Peter Fatilofo was coaching. They jumped on a plane to Spain. They had to play Italy. And all they needed was one bonus point. And they were actually, and they, they arrived, trained, and played the next day. And they were down 60-something points and to zero. And in the last 20 minutes, they ended up scoring four tries to get the bonus point, which gave them the one bonus point ahead of Italy to go to the Rugby World Cup in 2014. So, so we talked about, you know, hey, you've, you've, you're, you're lucky you've had two days, you know, compared to previous campaigns. But look, in an ideal world, um, winning, you know, like we would, you'd know, you know, yeah, time together. And we, and now that we've got the funding that we know that's really coming into high performance for women's rugby, we can plan better now and we'll be able to do, you know, have a couple of days camp. Um, the reality is, is that we will only be able to ever assemble at the venue, and but if it, it'll allow us to get there a couple of days earlier, you know, and so yeah, we'll be much better prepared. So obviously, if we had time, but you know, we've got things in place now, and um, and there'll be tracking and monitoring going on, and you know, we're still trying to find our best team for November. That was probably our worst. You know, like we we definitely didn't play well, but we won. We won ugly. And, uh, and we'll take the win. And to come away with two wins was just exceeded, you know, certainly exceeded um, all our expectations. Yeah, now you get to look forward to November, another Oceania Championship. And so, what, my understanding is that that's part of the World Cup qualification process. Is that right? Yeah, it, it's World Cup qualifier, yep. And that's, um, yeah, so in the team that wins that goes through. So, you know, we're obviously, you know, I'm sure Fiji will go away and work um, just as hard as what we're going to try and work as well. So it's not going to, it's just going to be a lot tougher. Yeah, so we've just got to yeah, build everything um, towards there and, and find our players and our, our, you know, like we've got a good core now and we're still, you know, this whole, you know, we wanted to run everybody, we wanted to give everyone some game time um, and it's still about, the, you know, as much as you shouldn't really be trying to find players in, in test mode, you, you've got no choice really because we don't have any other option to, to view players, so... For some of them, they've had five five test caps and had four wins, <laughs> so that's quite, uh, you know, it's quite, you know, quite a quite a you know unique and big deal for them um, when you think about it. So, yeah, so I mean, it, you know, so we've had you know, like our most test test cap player was like twelve over a number of years, whereas whereas now you know we've we've got players that have uh, played five and by. Maybe if November comes around, they would have had played nine in, in the space of um, 12 months, you know, which is something that hasn't happened for a very long time. Like That's Samoa women's rugby coach Ramsey Tomokino. Kangi for Samoa is using Global Rapid Rugby's Pacific Showcase as an extended job interview with a firm eye on the proposed expanded competition in 2020. The Samoan franchise were pipped 38-32 by the Fijian Latui in their Rapid Rugby debut in La Torca last month before being outclassed 63 points to 5 by the Western Force on Friday in Perth. CEO Richard Fale is a former Hawaii congressman who heads a consortium that previously flirted with plans to buy the New Zealand Warriors rugby league team and to launch a Pacific Island super rugby side. But he now believes global rapid rugby is the way forward for the 15 side game. Professional franchises um, 
within the islands obviously is is absolutely brand new and nothing that's ever it's it's something that's never happened until global rapid rugby now fiji has a franchise samoa has a franchise and one of the elements that we did want to kind of establish from the beginning is that we are not an ex- you don't have to ethnically be someone to be part of the team which is why we have a significant number of non-Samoans there because this is a professional franchise operation the same as as the blues or the crusaders or um or toulon or the saracens uh where you don't have to ethnically be from the place that you're playing from in order to uh be a part of the team um and that's that's an element and principle that is going to be new to the islands of fiji has um has kind of restricted themselves to Fijian players, um, but they're they're owned and operated by the Fiji Rugby Union, and they kind of see themselves as a development program for the Fiji national team. We contribute to the development of the uh, Samoa national team, but that that is not exclusively who we are and how we operate. Our goal and aim is to field the best professional rugby team on the planet. You know, I know for Super Rugby, I think it was you know twelve million US dollars to get a franchise. Um, were the upfront costs to get a franchise kickstarted in this? Were they expensive or? The challenge with Super Rugby is is that um, there's no security to your investment, and that became that became very clear with the cutting of the Sunwolves. Um, that you could actually spend, you know, they they're going into their fifth year. Uh, they probably spent ten million dollars a year on that team, and so now somebody, whoever that is, just threw away fifty million dollars. And that's, that's not a position that we can afford to put our investors in where um, a group of guys that we don't know sitting in a boardroom somewhere uh, decide that uh, they're just going to cut loose your $50, 60000000 million investment. Um, and I think that's, that's probably a serious uh, commercial and financial handicap for Super Rugby, which is why its growth and um, its growth is capped. Um, and that's why they have the financial struggles that they do. Uh, but this is this is part of the challenge that uh, professional rugby has in the southern hemisphere is that um, they're a lot slower to adapt to the uh, to the changing economic uh, and technological times that we currently live in. You mentioned that the Kangi for Samoa team has a mix of players. Obviously, Samoans uh, an opportunity for many local players to to play professionally and um, you know make a living through the sport. Uh, there's some Tongan internationals. There's a few. Kiwi boys in there, even a Fijian playing against uh, Fiji the other week. Um, and a Cook Island boy, and a Cook Island boy. That's uh, Mikey McKee. A couple of Maoris. We have uh, well, Mark Royal and Matiaha, the vice captain, Matiaha Martin. So we have a couple of Maori boys on there as well. It's 100% Polynesian, but um, uh, yeah, there's there's a really good solid mix there because we want we want every kid that's uh, playing out there to not exclude our franchise as a place that they could play professional rugby. Just because they may not be ethnically... Oh, and we actually have a, a Pakeha boy that will be playing with us uh, this game over in, uh, in Perth as well. Uh, he's from Brisbane. How has the coming together of this squad and these players and, and the coaching staff, uh, how, how has that been and, and, and how would you describe the sort of the, the mood and the, um, you know, the culture in the camp as you take part in this Pacific Showcase series? Oh, the morale, the morale of the of, of the team and the organization has been really high. We've been very fortunate to have a former captain of Mansamoa and uh, the first captain of the Pacific Islander uh, 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 team that went on tour back in 2002. 
to be the head coach of the operation and have uh, assisting him. We have Greg Smith, former captain of, of Fiji, um, two former great rivals, now best friends. Um, uh, it was, you know, the, 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 I think the leadership is great. Um, the, uh, the IQ and the morale of the team is really high. We have been, we haven't been uh, the easiest um, operation to, to work with. Um, we are expecting, we have expected the players to adjust and adapt to uh, a number of challenging situations that we've put in front of them. Of course, we're putting everybody through an evaluation process. We, the best way to view these, these games that we're playing um, is as a job interview for 2020 and beyond. Uh, we have uh, two franchises that we'll be operating in the Global Rapid Rugby Competition, there's a Hawaii franchise and the Samoa franchise, so there's 70 positions that we need to fill. Um, and we want to uh, use these games as an opportunity to, to essentially interview uh, uh, a whole bunch of players um, and see how they're going to be able to not only perform on the field, which is a significant and very important, is the most important part, but on top of that, we we need to be able to to know that their that their character fits with our organization. Um, their personalities are going to work with uh, the staff that we're going to bring in, and that they that they definitely have the IQ to deal with the, the new concepts and ideas that are going to be introduced through them into into rugby union. That's Kangifa Samoa Chief Executive Officer Richard Fale. Australia is looking forward to having an increased presence at next month's Pacific Games in Samoa. The sporting giants finished sixth on the medals table in Port Moresby four years ago in their Pacific Games debut, with 17 gold, 19 silver and 11 bronze, despite only being invited to compete alongside New Zealand in four sports. That number's been doubled for 2019, with Shifter Mission Kenny Wallace confirming they'll compete in all eight sports they're eligible for. A three-time Olympic medalist, Wallace, says Australia is excited to be able to compete against their Pacific neighbours. It's going to be quite a younger team that we're sending over. We were lucky enough to compete at the 2015 Pacific Games. We had about 40 athletes or so, and uh, we're looking to have about 60 athletes competing over in Samoa coming up. So it's going to be great to get them over there. The people on the team, they're really excited to get over there, and it's another international competition. 2015 for New Zealand Australia was the first proper introduction and, and the idea now is of course that you ramp it up even more with uh, a few more sports but what, what was the big take home from, from Team Australia four years ago? They were all excited to be part of the Pacific region and to be able to you know, compete against our neighbours and, and where we where we belong. Uh, as any athlete knows, every race, it's another stepping stone. Even the top Olympic athletes that have come home with multiple medals. Every race is a learning curve. So I know that our athletes from in 2015, they came home with, with more experience and more confidence to race. And we look forward to doing that again in tomorrow, later on in the year, in July. So we want to go out there. We want to race. We want to get have our best performance is what we're after. We, medals are great to come home with, but we want the, the athletes to go there and have their best performance. You know, whether it's a PB, a personal best time, or however they did their warm-ups, or, and start learning from all these races 
that they have. You know, it's a stepping stone. You know, Pacific Games is a standalone event on its own, but there is also the Olympic Games, Commonwealth Games. It's, there are so many events, and this is just another one that they want to go there and do their best with. I think there were eight events that Australia and New Zealand were invited to attend, uh, submit athletes, compete in. Uh, how many will you guys be participating in? Uh, yeah, we'll be competing in all of them, in all eight that we're invited to. You know, it's great. It's better than the few events that we were invited to last time. So we're getting more and more events. Uh, we'll be taking more athletes over. So instead of the 40, we're looking at around 60 athletes uh, to come over. We've been working with the national sporting organisations here in Australia to get close to announcing a team pretty soon. That will happen in the next few weeks. We're looking forward to seeing who's going to come out on top with that one. And you talk about uh, having a number of younger athletes and in terms of that selection process, so how, how, how do you weigh that up in terms of you know, some sports such as weightlifting obviously have uh, very valuable rankings points um, you know, to help qualify towards Tokyo next year, whereas some other sports uh, maybe not so much. How, how do you weigh up which ones to put the best in and which ones maybe some up-and-coming athletes that are wanting some exposure on the international stage? Obviously, we're going to send over the athletes that need the qualifying points for Tokyo or we're going to do everything that we can to get them over there. But I know we've, in regards to the sailors, the sailors are going to be quite young that we're sending over. So they're going to go over there and learn from a valuable experience. And a lot of these athletes, this might be some of their first international games and not just turning up for the one sport, but a multi-sport games. Now, it's a bit like the Olympic Games. There's so many different sports competing in it and it's such a big wheel there's, there's so much going on instead of just having their one little sport so for them to turn up at a pacific games and see so many other sports there as well competing and and so many other countries uh it's going to be invaluable experience for these guys in terms of finding out what athletes that we're going to send over you know we're going to send over the best athletes that we can in some other sports there'll be other competitions around the world so we just have to work with the national sporting organizations to work out what best competition is for that particular athlete. And uh, Ken, uh, one of the reasons Australia and New Zealand have been uh, increasingly um, brought into the Pacific Games event, and I guess the Pacific sporting community in this sense, uh, because it previously has very much been a game for the Pacific teams, New Zealand and Australia often dominate, and there has been a lot of concern in the region from some nations that, you know, both countries will come in and win all the medals and it won't be the same sort of event again, but there is this push to have a continental games in this region like we have in Asia, Europe, Africa, etc. And there's a real effort to make it inclusive and and whatnot. What does it mean to Australia to be a part of what has been the Pacific's games and you know become a a more connected part of that Pacific sporting community in the region? Well, essentially, Australia and New Zealand, we we are part of the Pacific, so it's amazing to be actually being invited to our our own games as well. Uh, it's great to have a continental games here for us that we can compete in it's two sides to it so if we turn up and we race and we we go there and we australian new zealand we we win some more medals and we potentially take some medals away from some of the smaller pacific nations we're also giving those smaller pacific nations the opportunity to come and race you know some of the best athletes in the world that australian new zealand have so on the flip side we're actually going to go there and help them get that race experience and race exposure to possibly higher performance. But at the same time, in certain sports, we definitely need more experience in racing and in training and in everything else and just going to compete at the games. So what what you do in training and racing one day, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to turn up and do that at a multi-sport uh, games the next day because there's so much going on. You're, 
There's the, the village that you have to contest with, that getting to the course, getting to the venue. There's so much more about it too. So it's not just turning up and racing, but there's, there's all the pressures in and around that as well. That's Australia's chef to mission to the Pacific Games, Kenny Wallace, and that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thanks very much for listening. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period.